0: Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. A very warm hello and welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. Wow. I am am incredibly grateful today for what is a milestone episode 40 so i am feeling especially reflective which brings us to a certain scenario now let's say for a moment that we're just getting to know one another and our conversation leads to my asking you to share your best advice that you often find yourself giving to others and we all have those pearls of wisdom and it might be something that a parent or grandparent or mentor instilled or maybe these are life lessons that you've come to know through experience and by now I imagine you realize that we're talking about your insights to live by. Those are your Zisms. And with that, I'd love to share that I've just been having the best time doing the podcast, both the, the solo shows and the guest episodes, which, as you know, have the featured segment for others to reveal their insights to live by and through the 20 plus guests it's been fascinating to find that everyone has been different seriously that's 70 plus insights with no two being the same so i appreciate your following the show and i think we're doing something special here so again if you are so inclined please feel welcome To invite others to listen in, as well as to leave a kind five star rating and even a review if you're feeling generous. And as you know, I kind of fell into doing the show, and that came about by my following through on a pretty astounding coincidence, which I've mentioned a couple of times. And you may know that I originally had no intention to do more than the book. But then, with it publishing, at the very same time when the pandemic hit, my day job with the nonprofit, the Internship Institute, that landed on the side burner and was like, now what, right? And fortunately, my wife Erica and I have another business with Isagenix, as a well-being company, and that she is a certified rock star. By me, of course. So... With the podcast, I already had the mic for doing my own guest interviews with the book. And then the first episode aired on July 21st. And it now seems like a blur. Which is to say, surreal, that we banged out 40 episodes. It's, it's been a great way to make the best of the pandemic. But loving the show as I do, it's become clear that it's leading to becoming more than just a hobby however at least for now you know i have no plan to monetize what i want to remain a commercial free show and that said it's not exactly a reliable way to make a living (laughs) so and yet all signs continue to point to lean all in and entrusting my gut I am doing just that. So I have some big news in the coming days, more like epic. And I am so excited to share that with you. And that is your cliffhanger for today. Now, before we segue all the way to today's show, I'd love to give a shout out to some fantastic guests in recent shows. This past week being Robert White and our conversation about living an extraordinary life. And here's a guy who's visited 42 countries and has met three presidents, two kings, and an emperor. Now, Robert is also a serial entrepreneur, leadership expert, keynote speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Living an Extraordinary Life. And then, the week before, is Hala Taha, who has flat out taken the podcast world by storm and she did monetize and created a springboard to launch her own agency yap media and she's just great energy and incredibly inspirational so be sure to join that conversation now on with today's show and wanting to do something special for this 40th episode and it's only fitting to encore what is by far the most downloaded episode about earned confidence, which I'm pleased to say is entirely fitting given that it's the foundational building block within Zisms to just deal with the real and level up your life, and experience true joy, among other things. So, sit back and enjoy the show, and stay tuned. In its own right, with earned confidence, our very first topic-focused episode. And there's a good reason why it's also chapter one of Zeism's Insights to Live By, It really is that important. And lastly, before we go all in here, is one correction to something I said in episode zero, which is that the solo episodes will average 30 minutes and guest episodes will be about 45. And that does not seem to be turning out to be accurate. So, yes, I do make mistakes and hereby embrace them. But the accurate answer is that we'll go as long as there is to go with the solo shows, with what I hope is a balance of not overdoing it. And I don't want to place restrictions to cut anything short, and I owe that to you, and I owe that to our guests sharing their insights. And if there's more to explore about those pearls of wisdom to put into action and enrich daily living, then that's worth seeing those conversations through. Okay, we may be getting close to your limit of not feeling bantered out. So, let's focus all our energy on putting earned confidence into action. Every one of us identifies with having been through however much in our lives. Life happens, and we don't have a choice in the matter. We all encounter crises that require us to summon our courage and fortitude, and we all know our list of the big ones. And the many other trials and tribulations along the way. Breakups, breakdowns, detours notwithstanding. We've all been through the ringer, as the saying goes. And as painful and as difficult the worst of those experiences have been to overcome. The undeniable fact is that we have. We are survivors. And even now with what really matters. And whatever is going on for real. Here and now. We may not even have the answers to overcome what's happening, but we'll figure it out and persevere because that's what we've always done, will do, and are doing now, whether it feels like it or not. So this is probably where the cliche about whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger comes into play, and at least for my part, I have found that to be true, as well as turning that adversity to an advantage. That's really at the source of earned confidence. But let's get specific about what earned confidence is. And in fact, the definition is published in chapter one. Aside from being a noun, earned confidence is an undeniable logic filter based on one's life experiences that proves it unnecessary to worry, be anxious, or make assumptions about uncertainties because one is fully capable ...to cope with actual occurrences in real time. In short, if you know you've been through your share of life challenges and survived... ...what is the point of worrying or being anxious about what you know you've proven to yourself? You are fully capable of coping and enduring with those actual occurrences in real time. And among other things... Earned confidence enables us to apply the logic of experience to spare ourselves from that self-inflicted stress and worry and anxiety. And once you buy into the undeniable fact that you are still standing, you'll also realize that earned confidence enables you to outsmart yourself. And why worry, be anxious, and stress ourselves out about things we don't yet know will happen? We know we will just be fine by just staying in the present, taking things as they come, and dealing with the real. Avoid the what-ifs and stick with the what-is. Make the decision to trust yourself on this fact. If what you just heard sounded redundant, that's a good thing. I really hope you take a minute or two to really think this through for yourself because this is really about an irrefutable logic. What does it mean to put earned confidence into action, including to rid yourself of your self-constructed barriers that prevent you from doing so? First off, when concerns come to mind, you got to call them out. Is it something that is actually happening here or now? Am I 100% certain that my worry is valid? Which is to say it's guaranteed to happen if it hasn't yet. Is it imminent and or inevitable? So it's incredibly freeing if you think about it and even more so when you decide not to worry or be anxious about something and assume that everything is okay. This is the mindset I want you to adopt as a grounding principle for daily living. Now, of course, it's not to say that it's without some challenges to apply because there are habits to unlearn as well as you know it takes practice to put earned confidence into action. And I've been putting it out there in my interviews and social media posts, for example, that babies aren't born warriors, which has been met with some skepticism on the you know nature and nurture front. It really wasn't meant to invite controversy as much as to make the point that there's definitely a strong influence when it comes to the nurture part. You know, Many people have a very active inner monologue. It may be you know, something that it takes a lot of energy to combat that negativity. If you're, quote, a worrier and still feel conflicted, you got to push back. There's a habit to break. And If you're content to believe, well, that's just how I am, and I've heard people accept this about themselves, but I'm not sure how else to view this as anything but just self-destructive tendencies, and they need to be challenged. What have you learned through time about yourself and through those experiences and about what you do in how you face adversity? Again, one of the keys to making earned confidence work for you is to get the buy-in with yourself it's that undeniable logic convince yourself that it equates to a formula in science or math it's precise it's a fact there's no arguing the point the greatest scientists and mathematicians in all of human history have found it irrefutable is that convincing enough so i i do think it's important to say that this is in no way intended to minimize what has already happened to you or be expressed with any lack of compassion. I mean, life is hard at times. And it's also harder for some more than others. And there's a reason why coping skills are skills. But even still, when challenging times come our way, it is completely logical to know that there is just no other way but through them. And that the rest comes down to how we handle life speed bumps, hurdles, and barriers. This is not to say we shouldn't anticipate certain things and take precautions to prevent them. And we'll cover this in more detail another time when we focus on that dose of prevention. We can also brace ourselves for the difficulties we know lie ahead while doing so in a less painful, matter-of-fact way instead of prematurely draining others and our emotional and physical energy. One final and all-important point here is about how our allowing ourselves to worry compounds exponentially when we express those uncertainties to those we count on for support. Because now you're unnecessarily imposing that negativity on your loved ones. And of course, you're there to lean on one another when times are tough. But this is not that. At least not yet. The more connected we are, the more we affect one another energetically, be that positively or negatively. So this is more than about mindfulness, it's about assuming personal responsibility for how our emotions and energies impact those around us. And we'll revisit this as well when we cover energy management and how it exchanges, but for now... Recognize that getting others caught up in those conversations can be that much more detrimental. And to keep in mind, that responsibility we all have toward and for one another. And so, how do we untrain ourselves? And this may be where, upon reflection, you can get to the root causes. Like, did you grow up being a worrier? What were some of the common themes? Might it have been... You know about a parent's well-being, or you know some fear of abandonment, or you know once you get to the source and shift your consciousness, you can then begin to recondition your mind. And when you feel worry coming on, you can try to let it go. But you know if you somehow can't bring yourself to do that, then your fallback position is to hold yourself accountable after the fact, so that whenever you worry. Or feel anxious or make assumptions about a certain event that ends up turning out just fine. That's when you really need to step back and ask, what did I do to myself? Or anyone else? Because that's a lot of inflicted negative energy. And maybe more than to others, not just yourself. So, acknowledge that it was unnecessary. And use that as a lesson learned. And so, you know, build on that to improve how you apply your earned confidence. And then the next time you experience similar feelings, keep reminding yourself like, you got it wrong before. You know, I got it wrong nine out of ten times. Hopefully it was ten out of ten. But one concern I have on this point is that expectations matter. And I believe that what we expect tends to happen, which is based on the law of attraction. So if worry is about setting an expectation about things you don't want to happen, then it actually can have a causal effect. So That might make someone think that their worry was justified, though that's still not the case when relying on earned confidence. I was in a recent conversation with someone whose mother trained them to set aside an hour to address worries. Like for one, like it helps to wait it out. And for another, you don't get caught up in it in real time. It reminds me of like a swear jar, (laughs) but in any case, that's pretty cool. And Having said that, let's just take a half step back and consider the sources for earned confidence, which are not exclusive to having survived so much hardship or even being older. In fact, when people think of building confidence, it has more to do with major life events that, you know, filled you with pride. And the tendency here is to point to experiences of proving yourself to others. And the praise they gave you. And don't get me wrong. I mean, being appreciated is great. And it feels awesome. However, these examples tend to be more transactional. So when we consider the true source of this facet of earned confidence, let's revisit some major events in which you've proven yourself to yourself. How would you answer the question that asks, what you think are the three defining moments or life events that contribute to what we're talking about here with earned confidence and there are a few ground rules here like your your answers have to be limited to you which is to say it excludes you know events like meeting the love of your life your kids being born you know and and using the term defining moments you know these likely refer to things that happened in your formative years including into young adulthood it doesn't have to be as a small child but it almost surely are those kinds of events that happen prior to your considering yourself to be a you know, fully formed adult. And again, we're, we're looking for confidence builders with positive outcomes and what has shaped you. And lastly, I mean, this is not just about the quick answer. I mean, consider the reasoning behind those answers. Are any of these examples coming to mind? Like, or are you stumped? Well, look, I mean, this is probably where I should take the lead, and I'll give a few examples. Just before my eighth birthday, I was at my first summer clinic to learn how to play ice hockey, and during one of the drills, an 18-year-old player took a slap shot and launched the puck. It was definitely a left curve uh, into that side of my face and broke my jaw in three places, like my poor mom, <laughs> um, this defining moment doesn't seem to be off to the best start, and I, I really, I mean, I was a mess, but wired shut, drinking, you know, everything through a straw, but one high point, as, as odd as this may sound at first, is that my parents somehow arranged a hospital visit from none other than Bobby Clark, who was then the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, who were Stanley Cup champions at the time. Like, basically, this was my childhood hero. And, you know, he sat with me, and we talked about our mutual love of the game. And, you know, he did. He encouraged me to keep playing. And so, you know, that's the positive outcome here, that even with something that serious and painful, I didn't quit playing. And it was important to me not to give up. And I proved myself, to myself, that I am resilient. And continuing to play remains among my life's greatest joys. And one footnote <laughs> to the story, and the question I get about it is, like, well, why wasn't I wearing a face mask, you know, a cage? And the answer is because they hadn't been invented yet at the time. And I guess the obvious other question is, well, you know, why didn't I duck? Which is actually, that's a legitimate question. The second example for me was also hockey-related, and I referenced this in my introduction uh, about my teammates of the Temple University men's ice hockey team electing me uh, as captain in my junior and senior years, and how in that last year, we went on to become undefeated champions. I'm just so proud of that. That's the glory days there. But what's notable here is that it was the experience of the final game, and It was really dramatic. We were down by a few goals and we made a late comeback. And, you know, the defining moment being, as you can imagine, when the buzzer goes off and, you know, the entire team's rushing on the ice, celebrating, jumping all over each other, sticks and gloves flying everywhere. I mean, that's just, you know, the elation of that moment is really, you know, it's hard to top. Um, I have a couple examples that do, but it's definitely a high point. I mean, we were just a club team, but it really felt. More like winning the Stanley Cup. It was a blast. It wasn't wasn't just that elation. It was the camaraderie. And, you know, I had different friends then, but it was how many close friendships, close, close I had at that time. I mean, I never really experienced that kind of bond before. And I think like a lot of kids, you know, young adults at that age, you know, I harbored a lot of doubts about myself. And that confidence boost helped me get past some of those insecurities. And, and then the third example was uh, also mentioned, and that was about my fourth internship in my senior year in that small PR agency in Philadelphia that hired me. And, of course, I was still a novice, uh, you know, but getting the job offer really validated that they valued me and my skills, which was a solid builder for earned confidence. So, I wonder, did you happen to come up with any examples of your own? I, mean, I wasn't really sure if anything came to mind for you, but in any case, the point is that when you combine these types of positive experiences with all the hardships you've endured, it really does become even easier to truly know and say, I've got this. So start building and reinforcing your earned confidence to prevent or stop yourself from worrying about something unnecessarily or that you repeatedly play on your head in advance. Like, I mean, even an argument you anticipate, but then never have. Instead, you, you know, you end up having a nice time when you simply trust that everything will be fine, you know, regardless of it happening or not. It's about being in the moment. So applying your earned confidence, it can be effective in just about any life event, regardless of size or scope. It can be, you know, expecting something good or bad that might come in the mail. You know, just wait till the mail comes. You know, maybe it's a check instead of a bill. And anticipating events positively and maintaining that expectation, you know, that's a good thing. Something more than an everyday occurrence could be, you know, a medical situation like needing to have a a biopsy just, you know, to be sure something's fine, you know, when you're getting a checkup. And then you have to wait however many days to find out if, you know, the lab results are benign or if you need one of those you know and they're not you know would you need you know treatments with varying degrees of invasiveness physical pain and you know that long recovery it's hard to get that stuff out of your head that's a tough one but you do have the option to make a conscious decision to expect the best and know that you can deal with the worst so we talked about some of the positive experiences to build on and you know then there are the not so positive ones and all things being relative, you know, we've all been through that ringer and have had to strengthen our coping skills, you know, maybe even as a survival instinct. So, you know, it's not like, let's just say, well, oh, my dysfunctions or traumas were any worse. It's definitely not a competition. Uh, anyone should try to win. But you know, for me, one that strengthened me the most still in and through my formative years from about my junior year of high school uh, into my late 20s had to do with my mom, uh, which I alluded to before. And, you know, back then at the onset of whatever was happening, you know, my brothers and my sister, we knew something was wrong with her. We weren't really sure what. And our parents called a family meeting, which was with a professional therapist, like family therapy meeting. So we were kind of bracing going in. And we weren't sure if it was terminal but then found out it was. But what we didn't expect was that she had had a routine surgery before the blood was screened and contracted HIV. And she actually had the sad distinction of being among the first heterosexual women to get it. And they, they actually didn't tell us, my parents, until my mom became symptomatic, mainly because the stigma was so bad, and they were actually afraid, which I can't even imagine. And the unfortunate reality is that, you know, she got the worst of it while, you know, everyone, uh, you know, including her, did our best to make the best of it, uh, which we did, uh, as we you know, we lost more and more of her over those years. And, you know, to be honest, I've, I've never spoken about it until... Uh, this level of detail but it's been you know 35 years since that that started and it's coming up on 25 since she's gone and you what I'm trying to get at here is that you know there were any number of times in the later years when we thought we'd lose her and then she'd pull through and so after a while it became clear that worrying and putting ourselves through that you know any greater anguish didn't do us any good and we just had to take things as they came and accept you know, what will be, will be. And I'm sure a lot of people go through that. And and so as tragic and harrowing as that experience was, being a caregiver and, you know, seeing her go through that, uh, I do have her to thank, as odd as it sounds, uh, for making it necessary to have that much fortitude then. And, you know, it's served me well ever since. You know, the meaningful part for me is that I'm here. Right now, having survived that and all else, to be able to share this message and learning earned confidence through that experience and do some good with it as a way to honor her. So as incredibly sad as it is, and I'm sure to hear it for the first time, uh, what I ask is that you feel good about the strength that it instilled in me and by extension, I hope does for you. This does seem like the right time to switch gears uh, to balance things out with, you know, what I, I definitely would regard as one of the most uplifting experiences uh, that also impacted me, uh, you know, very deeply ever since, and it involved an encounter with a gentleman by the name of Patrick J. Jackson Jr. And Mr. Jackson was an industry superstar. I had the honor of meeting at my, I was at my very first professional conference. And we were in the field of communication management, you know, more often referred to as public relations. And I have to pay respect to the fact that you know Pat delivered on his reputation. I mean, I'm not sure if he was the keynote speaker, but I easily recall that his presentation was well attended, standing room, uncomfortable temperature in the lecture hall. But everybody was happy to be there and just fully engaged. Uh, what a great speaker he was! You know, there at his best. And afterward, was the typical meet and greet, you know, session where. If you wanted to ask him a question, attendees lined up and, you know, introduce themselves to the speaker and, you know, pose whatever question. And I don't really remember what I had in mind to ask, uh, to say to Mr. Jackson or even my reasons why. But what I do recall is standing in line with like three or four people ahead of me and just trying to collect my thoughts. And my heart was racing. And I, I distinctly remember it being more like thumping, like almost loud enough for others to hear it it was like that feeling of you know when that friendly neighborhood police vehicle escorts you to the side of the road that kind of comes to mind I don't think that had happened to me yet so it kind of you know really took me by surprise I, I, I never felt so nervous and you know that didn't help matters uh, and it seemed more pronounced as I got closer to the front of the line and each person finished speaking with him and I was wrestling with those self-doubts and you know fears that he would think less of me and on the outside, I would like to think, yeah, I main, I maintained a certain degree of poise and professionalism. Uh, however, I m- must have acted, you know, timidly in mentioning something to Mister Jackson about the importance of, you know, the time he was about to take to speak with me. And you know, in that moment, Pat went to what I'm sure was one of his favorite go-to impact lines, and he just stopped and, with a mentor-like tone, he he asked, well, you know, isn't this your time too? And I, I must have stuttered briefly, but I, I acknowledged, you know, I, I understood this to be both his time and my time. And he replied, well, if this is both our time, I don't see why my time is any more important than yours. Now, what's your question? And I'll always remember how good that made me feel and just my nervousness just washed away. That man changed my life right then and there. And even more impactful is that he gave me the gift of being able to pay it forward to do the same for others. You know, it wasn't long ago, I called GoDaddy to buy the, uh, at that time it was the Zisms.com domain. And, you know, the good-natured rep, you know, something came up and he's like, well, I'm only 21. And I knew at that moment I had the opportunity to remind him he had a lot to bring to the table You know, no matter what his age. And I could tell that he took it to heart and he thanked me. And, you know, of course, that feels great for me. And at this point, I've probably relied on that humility check with dozens of others over the years. And, you know, that's all thanks to Pat. And it's the same thing I advise others in their career pursuits about requesting a conversation with someone they admire, like an informational interview. And if someone isn't going to share or doesn't want to share for whatever reason, nothing personal, you know, 10 to 15 minutes over, you know, virtual coffee or any other form of meeting then you know they're the ones that are not worth your time you know that and I say that to college students because they they feel that way and I know what that's like and in saying it right now I you know want to remind anyone who hears this the very same so you know aside from my appreciation of that life experience with Pat the point is that I held a perception that I was less important whereas Pat appreciated me as someone eager to speak with him and he possessed the healthy ego to show equal respect along with humility and humbleness to emphasize his belief that, you know, we are no more important than any other person. And it may seem like a subtle example of how worry and assumptive thinking shape my perception, but it was still significant enough to recognize that the actual circumstance was something much different. And as a result, my nervous anxiety was self-inflicted. So that has helped me be mindful of, thoughts I allow myself to think and what happened with Pat had less to do with worry as it did anxiety caused by making assumptions and negating assumptions is very similar to defeating worry and anxiety and we'll think this through you know when we get to the topic of prevention but in the meantime as with letting worry get the best of you I encourage you to confront yourself about prior assumptions being proven false you know, you can make Less of them while considering the detrimental ones that you impose on yourself and others as part of managing stress levels overall. And the, the fundamental challenge with combating all of these things we face is that we're all alone here. No one else knows what's in our heads or how it feels. We all have a lot going on all the time. Our brains are wired a certain way at birth and unique to our genetics, have been constantly rewired ever since our, you know, through our experiences. Those recordings that replay in our minds are learned behaviors. These are inner habits that also cannot change by themselves. And here's where to recognize that there's only so much that we can control, including what goes through our heads most unexpectedly. And sometimes we don't even realize it at all, or until it's already happened. We may even end up putting ourselves down or making ourselves upset over something and for what another important way of wielding your earned confidence is to let go of regrets and this form of stress can drain you know your life force even more than unnecessary worry anxiety and anything about those unknown potential events regrets can be suppressed under the surface so The only way to let go is to confront the past and keep it where it belongs. Now, this is a very personal topic and one we can tackle individually by relying on those we trust most and or by seeing a professional. In addition, we address the situation by not so simply deciding to put the past behind us. And in most cases, aside from the things that build your earned confidence Add to your wisdom or your cherished memories through those life experiences, our past often do not do us many more favors. So consider what else lingers from the past that saps your energy time and time again and with it diminishes your quality of life. How about harboring resentment toward others and or keeping a scorecard in intimate relationships? The fact of the matter here is that not having closure about things truly hurts. And you may not even realize how much stress this causes you being right there under the surface and sometimes not even below the surface when it comes to rehashing those things. So what I really want you to consider here has less to do with whatever such grudges may be and More to do with the severe negative impact that has on you. This is how to get out of your own way in terms of your ego and that anger. Which is likely legitimate on some level. But rather than letting go in terms of forgiveness of others, make that forgiveness about you. Put yourself first by realizing not just how this harms you, but how much better your life will be by hitting that reset button, however, it applies. And forgiveness is another one of those seven building blocks for life enrichment that I mentioned last episode about kindness. Whether that resentment is toward a neighbor, colleague, coworker, family member, or your significant other, why do that to yourself as well as others? What good comes of redigesting past regrets and rehashing resentments? Does doing that seem like you're being kind to yourself? Does keeping a scorecard in your intimate relationships help anything? Why would you do that to yourself? Being together is about making each other's lives better. As logical as it is, it's far from simple. For for whatever reasons, many of us have that tendency to senselessly put ourselves through emotional pain which is really nothing short of self-assault. And obvious as it seems, getting better at all of this and building earned confidence takes constant practice. And this is especially the case when it comes to thinking more optimistically and less pessimistically. So try focusing on gratitude instead. And here again is an essential application to trust your earned confidence within yourself and it all takes proactive conscious effort and habituation what does it look like and mean to you to see things more optimistically at the very least lend yourself the perspective to view things differently even if you don't believe it right away it's a lot like forcing yourself to smile it feels disingenuous at first but it does give you a slight lift. And soon enough, it becomes and feels real. So here's where the advice to even fake it till you make it comes into play. All right, as we wind down, here's where I'd like to reinforce what we covered at the end of episode one about kindness being that foundational building block for earned confidence as well as life enrichment. Again, when people most often think of kindness... The more common reaction is that it's about being kind to others, but what we're specifically talking about here is about being kind to yourself. You know, just from an overall personal development standpoint, when you think of things like self-esteem and self-love, those things that you try to work toward, which you know can be a lot about getting out of the dysfunctions that we you know we all have to recover from, be that from our upbringing or what have you, Or the events that have happened to us. Whatever those things mean to you. Many of us strive for that self-esteem and love. But it's elusive in part because it's just hard to get your arms around it. And know how to pursue that. But when you look at something from the vantage point of. Quote, why be anything less than kind to yourself. Right? Again, that's the operative question to get the buy-in. And if you can't answer that affirmatively, then... You know where to start, but let's assume that you can. Then on an ongoing basis, that's what's at the foundation of it all. So as we just discussed about beating yourself up, stop it. Just stop it. It's straightforward that that's not being kind to yourself. It's just very concrete and it's universal. So if you rely on the just be kind to yourself principle, you know you can always build on that. Rely on your earned confidence to feel secure that everything or someone is okay. Like know that, you know, a meeting or event or concern on your calendar, that's going to happen, best case scenario. Replace those worries with hope. There's no need to overthink anything. Experience events in real time while trusting your gut and reacting moment by moment. As best as you can. In any case. I hope putting your newfound, earned confidence into action provides an added advantage to overcome whatever challenges as they arise, namely to avoid the things that take you out of the present, like worry, anxiety, assumptions, resentments, and regrets. Your goal is to try to maintain an amplified awareness by living in the moment and being proactive about practicing gratitude, experiencing true joy, all of which is at the heart of life enrichment. Of course, you may be facing any number of challenges here and now, and you will in the future. And sometimes there's just no other way but through. But knowing you'll do just as you've always done, you can trust that with your earned confidence, you've got this too. All right, that does it for this special 40th episode with the encore of the ever-evolving guiding principle of Zisms. And for our next guest episode, joining us about knowing when to quit will be Kanur Behal, author of the forthcoming book, I Quit, The Life-Affirming Joy of Giving Up. She's as well the founder of Mindhatch, a design thinking firm, and she's an established improv comedy performer, trainer, and coach. So be sure to keep an ear open for that conversation. Just great energy. Once again, thanks for showing up as always, and be sure to make it a great day. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew MatthewsInman and join our community at InsightsToLiveBy.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.